Hey guys, it's your boy Sir Caesars, and this is episode 77 of the Caesars Show. Welcome back. Today is going to be another fun-filled episode, and it's going to be the return of Trey Day XXIV, aka my co-host. But before we get into today's hottest topics, I want to, you know, just rehash what we did last week on episode 76. So on episode 76 of the Caesars Show, I had a special guest. Hoop Image, a.k.a. Stan Miles. We got to talk about his brand, um, how it originated, and where he wants to go uh, moving forward in the future. And then we got to chop it up um, in regards to a lot of things. You know, LeBron chasing ring number four. Um, you know, the COVID-19 situation. Car Anthony Towns' mother passing away. God bless her soul. You know, who we thought benefited the most from rest and our projected NBA awards as well, too. And obviously, the anticipated MJ documentary, Last Dance, um, 10-part series as well, too. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And if you haven't listened to it, definitely check that out. And if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to me on all forms of social media at The Caesars Show. That's T-H-E-S-E-E-Z-U-S-S-H-O-W and Sir Caesars and also Traded XXIV as well, too. So without further ado, let's get into today's hottest topics. Ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, we're going to introduce my co-host, Trey Day XXIV. What's good, boy? What's really good, man? How are you? How's everything going, man? Everything is going good, you know what I'm saying? Just as the days go by, just getting adapted uh, to, you know, this solo life. So um, <laughs> solo life. My, my routine has been a little bit better. The only thing I've been lacking that is working out consistently. And I feel like sometimes yeah. I use not having weights as an excuse because our yeah. gym's closed and then like our apartment gym's closed as well too. But um, yeah. I started getting back into, you know, doing some push-ups, some sit-ups, some ab work, um, making sure I'm running um, about two and a half miles like every other day. So I've been getting a little better at it, but I definitely need to, you know, stick to these at-home workout routines. But other than that, everything's been good, man. What about you? Man, uh, the workout routine back in action, I cut my hand like a few weeks ago and it you was got a couple nasty. stitches i remember yeah it was nasty bro i thought somebody's gonna get me <laughs> about the paint for real uh, no no boston celtics no not, not boston celtics but no uh detroit pistons but um yeah so i cut my hand but now i'm back on it uh trying some new dietary stuff um i will start running i need to get some running shoes because i i can run for days but if the shoe's not right it's not gonna help me at all and then uh our, our weight room is connected to our residence, so it actually works, so we can keep it open. So I've been trying to grind with that, read a lot, catch up on my shows. I've been watching, like, Too Hot to Handle and stuff. Like, I shouldn't be watching that at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, it caught my eye, so I was like, all right. So, but, no, nah, man, that and uh, the Last Dance documentary, man, I've, I've been enjoying it a lot. Ooh, ooh, we're gonna get into that real, real soon. I'm excited for that. So, um, yes, obviously, you weren't on last week's episode, but we actually shot it um, on a Saturday, so it was a day before the documentary started. So it was more so me and Stan Miles, aka Hoop Image, talking about uh, our expectations um, on what to expect for the documentary, um, especially like episode one, and episode two, because it kind of gave us a little five minute preview of what's going to be expected as well, too. So. It's been pretty interesting to watch episode one and episode two, and then obviously yesterday, episode three and four aired. Um, there's been a little bit of leaks here and there. Obviously, as a fan, I want to watch it with everyone else um, so we can yeah. all, um, you know, take it in organically. But I guess, you know, ESPN uh, with the reporters or beat rise and whatnot, they kind of released it to people a little bit earlier. So there's actually watermarks on it. So I try to send you the other episodes, but right when I sent you that joint, it got leaked. I mean, it didn't get leaked. It got uh, taken it got down. taken down. So I yeah, was like, yeah. damn, because I want to record that joint yesterday morning. That way I can release it on Monday first thing. But it's all good, though. It's all good. Nah, that's straight. I, I enjoy watching it organically. I really wanted to record it early. But nah, like, watching it organically was dope. We um, cooked some, put some food on the grill, you know what I'm saying? I sipped a little bit of wine. And uh, by the time everything was, like, winding down, Watched uh watched the documentary and I was like yo like the Dennis Robbins story was tough I really I really messed with it yeah so we can get into it too so episode three we'll do episode three and then we'll do episode four breakdown um so episode three okay. obviously uh, focused on Dennis Rodman as well too so um there was a lot so basically it's more so focused on Dennis Rodman but more so 
the fact that because episode two where it left off at was Scotty wanted to sit out um, because he wanted to get paid. So they kind of painted a picture that he was quitting on the team. So the first couple games, you know, or first good amount of games, they didn't really play with Scotty Pippen. So I believe they started at they started off eight and seven. Um, and like I said, they mm-hmm. focused on Dennis Rodman. So they went back. They went back and forth between that the time that Scotty Pippen wasn't there and how. Dennis Rodman became essentially the number two option um, under mm-hmm. Phil Jackson with Michael Jordan that 97, 98 season as well, too. Um, but I, 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 it was interesting because we always knew, you know, what Jordan was about. He damn near, we damn, we damn, everyone should have, like, a big biography on Jordan and stuff. Like, he's one of the most popular names, you know, in, in, in all of America, all of sports as well, too. But it was cool to see Dennis Rodman's background, you know, him being raised in the projects. Um, yeah. He said, like, his mom drove buses. He got kicked out a little bit as well, too. He lived on the street for two years. Um, he it's was crazy. living in people's backyards, going from crib to crib. So he really went through the struggle and basically said, like, there was um, – some university that reached out to him and they were like, yo, like you can hoop. You, you, you trying to hoop for us? And he was like, yeah, I will. So it was crazy. <laughs> I did not know he averaged damn near like 27 to 15 um, in college. And it was Ridiculous. pretty cool to see how from his mindset of how he approached every game, how it was basically mm-hmm. do or die, but more so like the art of rebounding. Like he was literally breaking, he was breaking, he was basically, like you said, calculating how he, he rebounded the ball. He said he would watch the trajectory go on that side, this side. Oh, Michael Jordan, you shoot from that side, you shoot from that side, you shoot from that side. So I'm going to time everything right. And it paid off because I think he was a seven time um, rebounded champion. And he's only like six foot seven, which was crazy as well, too. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know, and then also talked about, you know, his early days as a bad boy's Pistons as well, too. Um, and what I really liked about Dennis Rodman from what I, I took in, um, he was always himself. And I remember they had a moment in a documentary where they're talking about when he he dated a lot of, you know, different celebrities. But one that stood out to me was Madonna. And it seemed like mm-hmm. in that era, a lot of people, at least in the, in the 90s, early 2000s, a lot of people got judged for you know, their character and whatnot. And I felt like when he went, when he started dating Madonna, that kind of opened up his individuality, kind of opened up him expressing himself um, in a way. And, you know, I feel like he got accepted a lot. And then from that, you know, he basically was able to be himself. Um, But yeah, just talk to me about your take on Dennis Rodman um, as a player and as an individual as well, too. Um, I think... This part that stuck out to me, uh, well, I want to say the part because um, looking at it from a, from a from a big picture standpoint, it was like he was his own person, and yeah. you know, uh, Bill Jackson made like the whole. He was a maverick, but at the same time, he uh, figured out how to, um, you know, contribute on the court to the highest of the to highest of the highest. And I mean, of course, he had all this on outside of the court stuff going on, but it wasn't really anything. Was like yo. Dennis Robin is being detrimental to anybody. He's just doing him. And it attracted a lot of buzz because he was he was an anomaly for a lot of stuff. But as much as he was an anomaly, like dude kicked ass on the basketball court night in and night out. And Hell he was yeah. very gifted. Hell yeah. yeah he was gifted at <laughs> yeah, crazy, bro. Yeah, no, literally. Literally. <laughs> but, <laughs> he was a gifted athlete, but I mean, it always goes back to the same. Uh, that I heard some NBA execs and, and coaches that are like everything below the neck gets you in the league, everything above the neck keeps you in the league. And that was even yeah. evident back then. Um with with Dennis just he's saying, all right, he was a crazy athlete, but at the same time he's six seven, but he had the will and then he had to lie, all right, he studied how crazy that you study how people how people's shot comes off. And I know I don't yeah. know the best like specific job, but just like, you know, some people are like, oh well, you know, I got this many rebounds today. Like, I'll be better tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that happens. No, dude knew exactly how certain player's shot was going to come off at the time. You know, who was taking the most shots for that team just then the third. Like, he, 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 that presented a lot more calculation to Dennis Rodman than, you know, just saying, oh, he's just brute force and stuff like that. So it, it was good just being able to, like, to peel back the layers of him and seeing how he was from a teammate, from a teammate standpoint and just, like, talking amongst the other players, just like how Phil brought the other players in. He was like, yo, Dennis needs a vacation. <laughs> and Mike's like, what? <laughs> and it's like, nah, Dennis needs a vacation. And Mike's like, 
right. Like, it, was, it was super dope. He, and Mike only let it slide because he knew that Dennis, like, no matter what he did off the court, there on the go. court, he was going to die for his teammates, essentially. And that's crazy. Yeah. I saw Donovan Mitchell tweet in real time the other night. He was just like, Dennis Rodman was the first person to essentially partake in load management, <laughs> which geek. Like, yeah. how many players do you know midseason will go to their coach, go to their teammates, and be like, yo, I need about two days off, and I'm about to go to Vegas. I'll be back, though. Like, how does that yeah. even sound? Isn't that crazy? I'm about to go party. I'm about to go party. I saw that tweet. It was like, imagine uh, uh, Larry Bird <laughs> asking his uh, coach, yo, I need two days in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> they'd have lost it <laughs> you imagine lost it. Larry Bird in Miami no, no he'd be wild bro <laughs> they, they were all wild back then it was crazy nah but like nah just just the dynamic of Dennis Rodman and every time you pull back like cause they had a Dennis Rodman dirty for dirty I think but the mm-hmm. more you get inside information on Dennis like he gets more interesting and it's crazy I mean it's not crazy but they did a good job of like showing that he was himself off the court but it was never really a about that it's like yo this dude does his job regardless you know yeah definitely so, love that as well think, too so oh yeah what are you about to say i didn't mean to cut you off no nah, i just think it's a testament to where it's like as long as you're not you know being detrimental and and uh hurting yourself or others that it's okay to have personality and do you and i mean the media is going to swarm around you because you're an all-star athlete and stuff like that but you your your personality and your wants and your your needs off the court does not define you on the court and it should show um you know employers being the gms and the teams that look as long as the dude's producing and he's not hurting himself and anybody else off the court like why not you know yeah for sure for sure for sure um and what's crazy is that like it also focuses on um episode three focuses on jordan you know struggling against the Pistons, it seems like every great player always has that one team they got to, you know, fight to get past as well, too. So it focused on the early struggles um, when they had him. And uh, it's crazy how, you know, they had the Jordan rule in contact. Uh, How do you feel about the Jordan rule? I want to hear your take on that. Uh, that's a phys- that's a physical ass era. Um, that's one thing I'll give Jordan credit to. That's a damn that's a physical ass era. But how do you feel? How do you feel about the Jordan rule? You know, it's one of those things where like that was the president for like the time. So it's like if you really like they were playing that sort of basketball. If you go in, you probably get your tail kicked. Like that's what's going on. I can't say that was good or bad basketball because that's just what it is. Like you know, in this court, like if I drive in, I'm trying to win the game. I'm gonna get my tail taken out. But um, looking at it now, it seems so egregious, you know, and it seemed like almost like it wasn't basketball in a way. And I, and I think it, it walks the line of it because when the league was letting them get away with it, but, you know, when you look at some stuff like pushing people out the air or getting that elbow when you drive and stuff like that. And it was funny because it was like, yo, uh, our MJ the next day after the season and then went back and got in the weight room and he put on like 10 to 15 pounds. You think 10 to 15 pounds is not a lot, but 10 to 15 pounds propelled him past the Boston Celtics. And they were like, I'm not Boston Celtics. I keep saying Boston Celtics. They propelled him past the Detroit Pistons. And I'm like, yo, like just 10 to 15 pounds. But I, I mean, I guess it comes muscle weight and all that stuff like that. But after those 10 to 15 pounds, they wanted nothing to do with Michael anymore. <laughs> you know, it's the same player. You, you know, you think, you, all right, fouling is universal, but they were like, oh, Nah, we good because he's going crazy, <laughs> and just like uh, it was a it was a mental thing too, you know. Um, the Jordan rule was more of a mental thing. It's like, yo, we're just gonna keep throwing him. We're gonna we're gonna oppress him into not being able to beat us, pretty much on the basketball court. And he uh, when when Scotty got fouled really hard that one time, and you know he just sat there for a second, sat there, sat there, and then he got up and didn't say anything to nobody. And they were like, yo, we got him because mentally they can't beat us anymore. The, the fouling is really a mental thing. Does it hurt physically? Yes, but it's a mental thing because once you stop driving, then they got you in the bag. But it was like, all right, they're not going to stop. And they're like, we can't beat these people via skill. So, you know, and we can't beat them via fouling. So, hey, that is what it is. And I think it was dope to see uh, them overcome that in the documentary. Yeah, and I, and I just feel like a lot of players in today's era wouldn't be able to handle that at all whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, and it's crazy, like how you said, you kind of, um, you know, started to branch off into that. They struggled with the 
with the Pistons. Um, and that's when they actually, that's what episode three, I mean, episode four talks about is when they hired um, Doug Collins as their coach. Um, mm-hmm. And Doug Collins, his whole philosophy was essentially just trying to get Jordan, you know, to get open. Everything was through Jordan. And at that time, it's like, you know, the scoring titles are fine and whatnot, but what it really comes down to is we know you're great, but can your greatness translate into getting rings? If you want to be up there with Magic Johnson, um, the Bill Russells, the Larry Birds of the world, like, you need to separate yourself and start winning as well, too. So I like how the episode focused on Phil Jackson, um, and I love his background as well, too. Um, you know, him, you know, being being able to immerse himself with, um, you know, Native Americans, so you know, not only being with, you know, primarily Caucasian, being being able to be racially integrated with people from a young age, you kind of get to understand where they come from as well, too. And I feel like mm-hmm. going through that experience and also I think they said uh, he was growing up with Native Americans. Um, he was a player. He's being a player. So growing up with Native Americans, um, studying Zen Buddhism, which they said was focused on playing as one, was a, was a pretty dope concept. Um, I think he yeah. said his dad was like a pastor. His mom was a minister. So he was a very religious person growing up as well, too. But I didn't know he can hoop like that. And back in the day, they said he played college ball at University um, of North Dakota. Uh, the Knicks drafted yeah. him, which is kind of funny in, in retrospect, kind of seeing it now where he accepted the GM role of the Knicks. I didn't know he had ties to them like that. Um, but he made My the best. all-rookie team. They said he was kind of like Dennis Rodman a little bit. He would smack people around as well, too. I think they said, uh, you know, they went to three finals appearances and won two championships as well, too. So... It was yeah. dope to see him be a player. And I think after that, he spent some time coaching in Puerto Rico, which they were wilding over there. Um, <laughs> and then from there, he got an interview uh, for an assistant job. And he was an assistant under um, under uh, Doug Collins as well, too. Yeah. So what they wanted to do essentially was they wanted to incorporate the the triangle offense. Um, and then basically saying, yo, Doug Collins won't really, won't really rocking with that as well too. But they're like, yo, the, the triangle offense will be effective because it's essentially, is going to be um, pass. The passing would create motions and it said 33 yeah. types of options from one pass and it utilize the player strengths as well too. So it's kind of crazy how they, they, they basically got to the conference finals ended up firing Doug Collins, getting Phil Jackson, and they started to take off immediately as well, too. So um, that was cool because I like how, you know, Jordan ended up sacrificing. I love that as well, too. And and, then that's when he started to become more of a leader. And um, they just raised – they really started to take off. And like you said, they started gaining – he started gaining 10 to 15 pounds. They knew it was going to be physical, but – what stuck out to me too is like you said with that with that Scottie Pippen when they when they when they threw him to the ground basically he didn't respond he was just quiet shook it off went along sure. with it that's when we knew that you cannot mentally break me anymore and after that they just took off and just started right. winning which is crazy swept them 4-0 uh, which was crazy and a lot of people were talking about like yo like when we beat you normally what you do is you show us love you give us some you give us some dap you know do whatever and be like you know, good game, but they just walked off the court. And Isaiah was yeah, basically saying, yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah was basically saying, like, when the Celtics kind of, you know, passed the torch over to him, only Kevin McHale came up to him like that, and they kind of walked up as well, too. If you smack whatever, if you whatever. smack me by 20-plus, you sweep me or whatever, like, I'm, I'm still going to show you respect. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like we don't <laughs> really get that much of it in today's era. I don't know why. So hopefully with the documentary, players will get that respect approach. Obviously now with the whole COVID-19 situation, they're probably just going to be giving a little like, you yeah. know, arm joint and stuff like that. But I do <laughs> I do respect the sportsmanship um, you know, from back in the day as well too. So I hope they can incorporate that because it seems like only like the star players will go up and talk to the other star players. But I miss, mm-hmm. you know, even playing, you know, rec AU or whatever. After every game, you get in your line, like, good game, good game, good game, respect. Even respect, playing respect. pickup, bro. You, yeah. You, you, you dap people up. Dap everybody you know, up, so. bro. Dap everybody up, man. So um, that was a that was a great episode as well, too, um, for real, for real. So um, I think they said episode five and six, um, one of them may focus on Kobe, which is going to be crazy. Really? So I, I think. 
So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if Kobe makes a cameo up there because that, that would be golden. But at the same time, you know, it is what it is for real, for real. Well, I think he does because he was in like the uh, trailers, and I haven't seen the trailers with him in them as much mm-hmm. as far as like him like being like the interview uh, seat or whatever like that. But I haven't seen him since like you know I think the last dance was announced right around or right after like Kobe passed away, and mm-hmm. since like it's picked up steam, I think they've been kind of like if they do, they probably you know kind of keep it under wraps, like kind of like a little slight surprise a little bit, even though we kind of know it's coming. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. You think the triangle offense can be incorporated in today's league? Uh, it has to be run the right way a little bit unselfishly. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, uh, the Spurs run an offense where it's like a pass first, make the extra pass, and that's kind of all that the triangle offense is. Like, all right, keep it flowing, plenty of strength. So I could see like teams that are willing to buy into that do it. Like the Spurs, the uh, the Warriors, how they were playing a few years ago. Um, so teams that really move the ball. Uh, but if you're not going to move the ball to triangle offense, it's not going to help because it's just going to literally look like a triangle. The triangle offensive strength is that, of course, you see, like, all right, they're going to run it, but there's so many options that you can't just play. Oh, it's a triangle offense. No, it's like you have to really stay poised for your defensive responsibilities. And the triangle offense breaks down a lot of that stuff because, again, there's so many options. But you have to be – have the IQ and have the willingness to play like that because, I mean, the triangle offense could have been in place, but Jordan didn't, like, buy into it it wouldn't have worked, you know? If your star players don't buy into it and don't mind, like, your other players, like, getting up shots. And the other players have to be ready and willing to take those options and perform when it's time. So it could work, but a team has to be bought into it. Yeah, and like you said, it starts from the top down. So your star player has to be willing to accept that new challenge. And also, um, I feel like a lot of teams who have the success with their star players, they have to – what I like about coaches is they don't put any other player on the pedestal. They treat everyone the same as well, too. So yeah. credit to Phil Jackson because with him, he really stressed relationships um, and trying to figure out the psychological aspect, you know, behind what make players go, what makes them, you know, with everything yeah. else as well, too. So I like that as well. But moving on from the, you know, episode three and four, some breaking <laughs> news came in. So I didn't really watch this guy play. I haven't really been watching college basketball like that, but – there was some news reported by NBC Sports saying that Tayshaun Hightower, um, who is who has declared for the NBA draft, has been charged with murder, aggravated assault, battery, and possession of a firearm during a homicide that occurred on April the 8th in Stockbridge, Georgia. No bond is currently listed for Hightower, who is currently an inmate at Henry County Jail. Tayshaun Hightower, 6'5", point guard, who averaged 16 points this past season, uh, has declared for the 2020 um, draft this month. So um, that's, that's pretty uh, crazy. Um, first and foremost, you know, just being more aware and, you know, just watching a lot of, you know, different series that kind of depict what the legal system looks like. I'm not going to be the one to judge someone because there's always two sides to the story. So in my head is always innocent and, and innocent until proven guilty. So once he goes through the legal procedures, um, we'll see what really happened. But I pray that he didn't do any of this because, you know, that basically ruins your life, ruins your future, you know, affects people that are within your inner circle as well, too. So I hope it's just not that case where he just was around a bad environment, because a lot of times with people who hoop, um, who make it to the league or, you know, has dreams of going to the league, they kind of try to get out of that bad environment. So I hope, you know, because of the whole quarantine situation and whatnot, you know, he wasn't. You know, he, he didn't have to go back home um, and kind of surround himself with that energy he didn't necessarily need. And, you know, one thing led to another, something happened. So I hope for his sake, you know, he can get through it. You know, that that may that may be a bad look and that may have ruined, ruined his image moving forward. But, you know, yeah. we, only, we can only see and only time will tell. But any additional thoughts on that? Um, just, uh, I guess, condolences to the families that were involved, definitely. Um, but basically, like, that's a tough break because, I mean, you, you fight every day not to be a statistic. You work so hard on the court and then just, like, let the environment kind of uh, overtake a situation, whether, you know, the situation went down the way that they're trying to portray it or not. It's just, you know, it's always a tough gig because there's always, there should be people thriving, and uh, you know, in chains and, and bondage. Uh, so, you know, prayers for all the families involved. Um, prayers for him, uh, regardless of the process or the outcome. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, if it is not, uh, if, if he's found not guilty, then he can go out and flourish and continue to uh, build and try to pursue his dream of professional basketball. Um, so I'll leave it at that and just see what happens, man. Yeah. So prayers up to you. Um, hopefully you didn't do it, but like I said, you know, we're just going to leave it up to, you know, the higher power in the legal system to figure everything out as well too. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the NBA. Uh, so basically let me actually pull up this, um, report right here. So it was breaking news that came in, and it says starting May the 1st, the NBA is allowing teams to open their practice facilities to players in cities and states where local governments have eased stay-at-home orders as well, too. Um, So I have mixed feelings about this. So going with the positives at first. So from a positive standpoint, you know, that's that's great, you know, in the sense that players aren't going to be at home all day. Like I said, it's places where they have at ease stay at home orders. So that's good. They get to get back into the gist of things, you know, just being able to touch a basketball, um, which is your safe haven and is your passion yeah. is always a good thing as well, too. Um, so that's good from that standpoint as well. And I think they said only um, a select amount of players will be able to you know, practice at a time, which is fine. Um, and they're incorporating social distancing as well, too. So I love that aspect because, you know, aside from, you know, these players that have max deals, these these other players, you know, who are on um, rookie deals and whatnot, they probably stay in like an apartment or like a townhouse um, and don't even have access to, you know, to play basketball like that. So that's good. But the downside to that is I feel like, and we talked about this, once Rudy Gobert got diagnosed with the coronavirus that's basically like when the world got put on notice, or at least the United States got put on notice, like, yo, like this is something serious. So everything started to set down and I'm start to um start to shut down. So it felt like the NBA has a huge following, a huge influence on the United States um and everything as well, too. So my only downside to that is like if the NBA has that much control, that much power, that much influence. I don't want places to prematurely open up because of that and, and, and think that it's safe as well, too, because even last week, the yeah. Georgia governor was trying to open up, um, you know, different businesses, uh, which were like yeah. nail salons, bowling alleys, movement theaters, um, barbershops and all that good stuff, which is when you think about it, a lot of people have lost their jobs. So, you know, to put people at work is always a great thing as well, too. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's health over everything. You know, we have to suffer a little bit before things get better. Um, so yeah. until we find different solutions to ramp up testing and try to isolate, you know, people who have been exposed to this issue, then we're never going to get past this issue. And I don't want the coronavirus to come back. And then we kind of coronavirus. coronavirus. I don't want I don't want the coronavirus to come back in a bigger wave. And then we have to start this whole shutdown um, yet again as well, too. So yeah. it's just a sticky situation for me. But. If they can be as safe as possible, then, you know, credit to them. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? My um, thing is, at the end of the day, it is entertainment, but uh, it's entertainment. Like, that's what it is, bro. Uh, for me, at the heart of it, it should be always be uh, people over profit. But we are very, um, very aware that that's not the case. And, uh, you know, I think from a personal standpoint, yes, people, I mean, people do care about people, but if when it comes to a machine uh, in a capitalist society, it's tough to, to think that they're doing anything in the best interest of the people when it comes to when they, when they stop making their money. Um, I think, I think it should, it should, every precaution should, should, should take place because, and even, even looking at it from another side of it, it's like, all right, if I'm in that, you know, place where I can open the lead back up. But what happens when my money makers, my players are sick and the coaches are sick and the organization, like what happens when I lose my bet, my, my capital, my capital are my players and my, you know, they're just people that dunk and shoot the ball on a night and day basis. Um, but for, for me, uh, I think you should use it as, 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 as a, medium to like all right the nba you have all this buzz if you're gonna open up practice facilities why not you know do charitable stuff from the practice facility why not give out supplies why not do like have workouts maybe 
safe and controlled workouts. But then like we have all these all in big cities, big markets all over the world and smaller markets. Um, all, not all, 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 I can't talk all over the country. So why not, you know, use it to, to, to for some good. I mean, basketball is going to come back if we treat this stuff the right way. But let's be uh, a, a clear influence on the safety and the process going forward so that when it does come back, we already have more community ties. We have more trust. It is more of a global brand because the NBA looked out for you when, when, everything else was going to hell and we're going to be playing back basketball soon, but not until everything's safe and we want people to be first, but that's me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that, that the big dog is going to decide that, but I hope uh, Adam Silver and, you know, the rest of the conglomerate do make the right decision about how they go about this. Definitely. I agree with you with that as well too. And then um, last topic I want to talk about is Draymond Green. So what's good with your boy? <laughs> so a couple of things, Great man. Mind. First and foremost, shout out to all the smoke, man. Um, I love all the yeah. smoke. I think that's as far as like post athletes that post post athletes and current athletes um, that have you know um, a podcast or you know similar platforms like this. I love it because you get to see the human as the human the human aspect behind these players as well too. Because the media always yeah. portrays them one way, but when you actually get to know them. They're normal ass people, so it's pretty cool for you know Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, even people from like the Knuckleheads, to have these players come on the show and be so willing to be vulnerable and open up as well too. Um, so that's a great platform for them. So Draymond's interview is damn near about two hours. Uh, talked about a lot of things, you know, uh, him coming up, his college career, being in the NBA, some beef with Charles Barkley, uh, LeBron. <laughs> Golden State versus Bull. He talked about a lot of things as well, too. So a couple of things I just want to – a couple key takeaways I want to talk to you about, first and foremost, was um, one thing he talked about was, uh, you know, perception versus reality. So like I said earlier, with the media, they always try to paint players as, you know, these bad guys or, um, yeah, try to paint players as bad guys as well, too. And I think, you know, like I said earlier, it's not – until these these platforms with players, you know, have a voice where you can actually see who they are as, as people as well, too. Um, but another thing he talked about was fame versus fortune. And basically he was saying how a lot of people, well, let's go to the perception versus reality first. I don't want to jump. So for perception versus reality, he's basically saying like, yo, at the end of the day, we're all we're all human beings. And he was like, yo, um, it sucks how he essentially has to, you know, always be under a microscope. Um, mm-hmm. And no matter where he is, he always has to be the best version of himself. Like, it kind of sucks how, you know, no matter where he goes, you know, he has to put up, a, put up a smile. And he's basically saying, like, yo, we're all human beings at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. it sucks that now that I'm a big status player, I want to go to the coffee shop. You know what I'm saying? I want to just get my coffee and then just rock, but there's going to be fans there because he's a public figure now. He's always going to have to put on his best face. So that kind of sucks because he was kind of talking about that fame versus fortune. He said, and on any given day, I'd rather be, I'd rather have a fortune than be, and then be famous because you can't be yourself. You can only be yourself when you're essentially to yourself or around people that you trust as well, too. So it kind of sucks being under a yeah. microscope as well, too. So what are, what are your thoughts on the whole fame versus fortune? Because I feel like a lot of people try to chase the fame, and it's not until they get the fame that they kind of regret having that. But talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> You'd rather be more famous than rich, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, he has a point in that. Uh, I had a few things, just... Um, yeah, I mean, fame versus fortune, uh, it changes your life, you know, your your everyday activities because you have to put on uh, the, the superhero cape all the time or like the image cape all the time. You have to protect that because I mean, that's your that's your capital a lot nowadays with social media era. People, people are going to judge you by how they see you and how do you portray stuff and like what little clip that, you know, some blog decides to put out of you even though it's not in context, whatever. So you have to put on that smile and that, and that face no matter what the situation is. Uh, I think the biggest thing about Draymond is right now, it just like, I just keep seeing like the stuff pop up from him. And I think, I think Draymond knows 
his this time with them might be coming to it. And I'm not sure his uh his contract. He might you know a little bit better than me, but I could I could see it being very soon because I mean he's talking really spicy. <laughs> and the thing is, I was like, you know, Steve Kerr does talk spicy, but he talks spicy when he gets people about the paint. So he talked a little bit spicy about D'Angelo Russell after he got him out of there. And I think D'Angelo Russell did fine with the Warriors. I mean, for what for what it was worth, you know. But they're they're trying to clear cap space for maybe a Giannis, maybe you know other players to play around stuff and and Clay. And although Draymond is a very good glue player, if one of the best we've probably seen, I think that they have been trying to uh, take steps to replace him, maybe with one or two players or or uh, just just some way somehow. But I think they're gearing up to be like, all right. And I think Draymond feels it, so he's talking a little bit more spicy lately. Because if it was coming down to where like he had to stay with the team, you know, because I feel like they probably look at him like, "Yo, you probably one of the reasons why we can't, you know, we couldn't keep KD," <laughs> that type of stuff. And and they might make him a scapegoat for that, but I think Draymond and the Warriors are going to come to an end in the near future. Yeah, and when I say near, you know, as as months go on. But uh, the more the famous thing, I get it. Uh, Draymond and the Golden State Warriors not going not going to be too too long. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. And another thing that stood out to me was uh, what you kind of alluded to towards the end of your rant was um, Katie leaving. So basically, he was saying like he kind of got scapegoated. And if you guys think he, if you basically said if you think I'm the reason that Katie left, then you got it all messed up. So it's interesting to see his take. Yeah. Interesting to see Katie's take a couple months ago when he was on all the smoke as well, too, because there's always two sides to the story, right? And at the end of the day, what you got to yeah. do is you got to kind of find that commonality between the two as well, too. So I think from the commonalities, from what I've seen, one, their relationship was tarnished um, after that incident that yeah. happened. But the way Draymond paints it, that we kind of knew KD was, you know, out the door and like out the door, kind of, you know, going into just their second season with them as well, too. Um, everything was kind of yeah. lovey-dovey. And then after that, I guess um, they, they started to go away from the system and he wanted to play a certain way. And that kind of aggravated him as well, too. But I think what, what it really came down to was the relationship that he that. Well, what, what went down against the Clippers in that regular season matchup when Steph was out, when he didn't get the ball. And I also think it was after he won his first championship there with them, mm-hmm. they're still trying to say, yo, is LeBron still the best player? He, he kind of thought like, yo, once I get this championship, I'm on the mountaintop. Like, I should be viewed as the yeah. best player. So I think sometimes with KD, and I can only go based off of what I see and how he reacts to people, that he cares a lot about what other people think about him when he really shouldn't. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, that's what, that's you know, that's what basketball comes with, especially when you're in the NBA is going to come with all that backlash as well too. So I felt like he wasn't fully fulfilled and I felt like the relationship and the fact that they kind of went away from a certain style of brand of basketball kind of led him to leave in a way as well too. Draymond kind of sound like that ex that, you know, yeah, <laughs> that ex that never fully committed within their relationship and, you know, things kind of ended prematurely. He kind of sounds bitter because he never kind of got that closure. So he's, the best of he's it. still trying to heal about He's still trying to heal from it as well, too. But uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on on that whole spill of, you know, KD rocking and whatnot? Um, I think it's interesting you uh, brought up that, you know, the, the, the little, I guess, what it was a three-year window that he was with them. Um, and I, and I kind of compare it to... You know, he was probably thinking, yo, I got my ring, I'm good. Because LeBron, he got his ring, he was good and everything. Before it, the whole super team, the, oh, we're going to win two, five, whatever, how many rings. That kind of all went away in a little bit. I mean, it still brought up in his legacy. But as far as in the moment, they were like, oh, you know, the he got to compete with people. Um, and and KD figured that, all right, I'm going to go do the same thing, fall kind of the same uh, blueprint. And, you know, I'll get the hit off of me, too. And I'll be in that same conversation. But we still don't put KD in the same conversation as LeBron. As all-around player, we say, oh, KD's a great scorer. But he's not the best all-around player of this, you know, of this time and era. And it evades KD. That conversation always evades KD. Uh, it might be because of LeBron's greatness. Or it might just be the way, you know, the media has placed him in, in, a, in a certain box or bubble. Uh, and, and, and I think the biggest thing, 
that hurts is he went to the team <laughs> that they lost to in the Western Conference Finals. That's that's the biggest dinger right there. Like LeBron, they went to Miami. They kind of created a team not from scratch, but you know Chris Bosh and 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 LeBron were nowhere near that team before. But they were kind of close to Dwayne Wade and boom, they put it all together. But I think the that's the biggest knock to saying, yo, you were not LeBron. Because, you know, you went to the team that you were losing to. That's like a LeBron. I kind of went to, like, the Celtics, you know? Like, in a way, and people look at KD in that light. Or, or, or Jordan going to the Pistons. Thing. That's sicko. He Bro. Would, no one, from a competitive standpoint, Bro, no one's one doing o'clock. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's sick. It's sick. It's, it's like you're playing a pickup and you know you got this team just washed you like three times and you're like, yo, and you like were arguing with the team and I saw like that. I'd be like, yo, can I run with y'all? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, bro. Like that's that's why he isn't compared to Sam because people look at it differently and the critics look at it differently. Yeah. And we look I, at it differently, keep the stack. People have been talking about basketball. Yeah, and and I feel like that's one of the reasons why he went to Brooklyn, so he can, you know make his case because I feel like if he won a championship in Brooklyn, we gonna put his name up there as probably like top three players, top four players of all time. Do you see that happen? I think I mean it depends on how him and Kyrie come back. Kyrie about to have his shoulder surgery coming off his Achilles. Um I like the pieces that they have. They still gotta find a new coach as well too. And um it kind of really depends yeah. on if he if he loses a step or not. I feel like he's never really relied on his athleticism yeah. like that. It's more so skill and, you know, his build. So if he can come back yeah. and be informed by, like, February, March, you know, all post-All-Star break time and Kyrie's fully healthy and good to go, and they pick up some key veteran pieces, whether that be through trade or through, um, you know, uh, free agency or whatever, I think they'll be all right. I mean, they are in the East, but... I don't know who's really touching Kyrie and KD on a good day. So it's going to come down to their health and come down to the surrounding pieces that they have. And it's going to come down to if Kyrie and, and KD can click together. Um, obviously, their best friends leaving. off the court in the, from an NBA standpoint. And Giannis leaving. Obviously, their best friends off the court. But on that court, chemistry matters. So we'll see if they adjust each other's game for each other. What do you think? Uh... I agree with everything you just said. Keep it a stack. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the chemistry has to be down. Uh, like literally, I just yeah. Well, I think it's gonna be hard though. It's gonna be hard. I mean, you still got the Boston Celtics that are are, are, are anchor there. Um, I'm not sure if you know the dude up in the GM, uh, your y- y- Jerry. I can't say his name up in uh, Toronto. Oh yeah. Oh, Masai Jerry. You gotta take another. Yep, it's gonna take a um another position if he's offered more money, which I think he should. But, uh, you know, he's going to have them be in a powerhouse. The Heat didn't look terrible this year at all. And I think they're a couple pieces away from really just being, like, a badass team. Maybe one for real, for real. I mean, they got Bam, who's playing crazy. They got Jimmy Butler. They got Tyler, Tyler Hero that was emerging. Um, so it's not the, the same old week East as it was. And you have to have good coaching and very – good, just conducive basketball, you know, team playing to beat those teams coming down the stretch. I understand it's Kyrie and it's KD, but we haven't seen them do it, you know, in a way by themselves or, you know, we don't know how this is going to mesh right now. So we'll see what happens. But I think if I gave it to anything, I would give it to the teams that have been together to to succeed more than them right now, just off the, based off the resume. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So we'll definitely see what happens with that. So I know you got a little bit of time. You got to get ready for work and whatnot. So I'll touch a couple more topics, and we can literally breeze through each topic in, in uh, about two minutes as well, too. So another thing with Draymond, he said he wishes that uh, KD was more transparent on their final year together if he was leaving or not because um, I guess mm-hmm. he – from watching the Bulls documentary, um, you know, they basically say, yo, this is the last year. But from the Bulls' perspective, that was more so the GM relationship between the players and the coaching staff, um, you know, and and ego that got in the way of that dynasty as well, too. And I feel like being a normal person um, for the time being, you know, I'm going to glow up one day. But being a normal person, you know, um, <laughs> and going through, like, being in, like, a nine-to-five and whatnot, you know, at the end of the day, it's a job. Obviously, that's the entertainment business within the sports business, like, within the confines of everything but I just feel like who are 
who you don't owe anything to anyone to tell you if they leave it or That's not. Right. If I'm at my job and I felt like I've obtained the heights and you know I'm not really messing with the chemistry and I want to advance my game or just have a new experience, I'm not telling nobody what my moves are. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep things to myself. I'm going to go on those different job boards. I'm going to work on my application. And then when it's ready to go, I'm going to put my two weeks notice and say I'm out. So in translation with that, during the season, I'm going to just, you know, answer the media and be like, we'll see what happens when the time comes. You know what I'm saying? And then when it's free agency, then I'm going to go and do what I have to do. I understand they're boys. Um, but at the end of the day, if you do that in that atmosphere, in that environment, that's just going to add more stress mm-hmm. to not only yourself because you're going to have to attend in the media every day and look at, you know, what's on social media, look what's, what's look what's on the news. That's also a disruption in the locker room and other players are going to have to answer essentially for you. So I feel, I feel like he doesn't owe it to anyone. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, nah, I, I think that to each his own person. So again, I agree with you. Like do, do, doesn't owe anything to anybody. If you're gonna rock, cool. If you wanna, you know, get along here, there. As long as you're doing your job in the confines of basketball, um, and it will be great to get along. I mean, I'm the first type of person like, yo, like, you know, I don't have a problem with anybody. And but certain people, it doesn't, you know, doesn't mesh together that way. So I think that if it comes down to where it's all right, we just have to get our job done, and then boom, go our separate ways. Not gonna owe anything to anybody. Cool. I mean. As far as money, as far as lifestyle, as far as personality goes, you know, these big organizations don't care about people. So uh, why am I going to try to pour into, you know, oh, I'm going to be a crusader for the organization? Nah, I mean, it's cloth talk when you're talking about I'm going to stay in one place and get it done. Cool. But if, if it's not really working out for you, do what you do. It's best for you. Facts. All right. Another one I want to talk about is... Um... <laughs> Charles Barkley. So just to summarize the whole Charles Barkley segment with Draymond, <laughs> he's basically saying that Charles Barkley hates on Draymond because they have essentially the similar build. Um, and yeah. the fact that Draymond gets all this praise and makes more money than him, he kind of hates on what Draymond's <laughs> doing. And, and he ended up saying that he was a more impactful player than Charles Barkley was um, as well, too. Now, yeah. from the eyeball test and from a pure numbers standpoint, everyone knows – Charles Barkley was a better basketball player as well, too. Um, so two things. One, who you think has more impact? And two, why do you think Ohez be hating on, you know, the new the new generation of basketball players? Uh, who has more impact? Um, this is going to sound very political, but from an individual standpoint, Charles Barkley, from a, a, from a team and a con- – contribution like a catalyst standpoint i think gotta be draymond uh i mean i think draymond's a lot better of a skilled player i mean he can shoot the outside shot you know his passing is very elite and i didn't get a chance to watch too much of charles barkley play but i think charles barkley was more just the prototypical big uh uh athletic small forward you know he he changed the game as far as small forwards go being around six five but being a low just being an athlete um but from a, you know, make his teammates better kind of thing. I think Draymond's just, he's, he's, a, he's a league above Charles Barkley. And I think they go back and forth because they are very similar. And that's like, you know, you know, opposites attract and they're very alike, so they're button heads. So, mm, uh, it's weird to see them going back and forth because like, yo, y'all don't have to talk to each other. Y'all know that, right? Y'all don't have to say anything about you. But I guess Charles gets paid to talk about stuff and Draymond clearly doesn't mind talking about whatever, you know? Because uh, he's 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 that person. So, yeah, I wish I kind of get tired of of them. But my answer stand. I think Charles, from an individual standpoint, Draymond from a, from a and I say individual as far as like individual accolades, getting all that stuff done. Draymond from a basketball skill and a you know helping my team win championships kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, without Draymond, there's no championship, no championship at all with the Golden State Warriors as well too. And then. Like you said, Charles Barkley um, was very dominant, and you know, for being the number one option all those years, for sure. Um, what was I about to say? If you had to choose, who do you think will win? Um, the Golden State Warriors of our time or the Chicago Bulls? With KD, the Warriors with KD. Warriors with KD. Or, or uh, yeah, let's do Warriors at their best. So, 
Um, '96 uh, Bulls. Uh, well, I mean, whatever just year based they were the his, best. Just based off the shooting, I think the Warriors. Yeah, a lot of people say it kind of really depends on the era they were at because in the nineties it was a bit more physical. You can hand check and mm-hmm. and get away with a lot of different fouls and whatnot. They but, must step up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I probably got damn. I just feel like the Warriors are more skilled and more balanced as a team. But then again, I can't mm-hmm. really say anything because they are two different eras. At the end of the day, for real, for real. Um, mm-hmm. But it would have been. I think I don't know. I think the Bulls may have a chance too because they kind of play small ball as well too. And and Scotty, man, Scotty Pippen's defense was OD. You talk about picking someone up from full court, um, and he had the size yeah. to at least bother KD in a way. Even though we view KD as one of the best scorers of all time, I think that I think that Michael Jordan would have disrupted Steph Curry's, um, you know. Um, he would have disrupted Steph Curry offensively, his rhythm. And I think, you know, Scotty would have kind of made it hard. But I felt like when you take away Scotty and MJ, I mean, they're putting up, what, at least 20 to 30 each. Who else is going to be that third mm-hmm. option? You know what I'm saying? So I think from a skill standpoint, yeah. the Warriors would probably win that. I agree. I agree. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, I mean, that was pretty much <laughs> everything. Uh, any any last, you know, remarks you want to say? Uh, nah, everybody keeps staying safe. A uh, big shout out to my sister, uh, Chad. She just, um, one is newly engaged, two, her, her doctors. Woo! Yes, her, 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 her doctors. She's now a doctor of pharmacy, uh, with uh, all the accolades from BCU and is gonna go accept the residency down in North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So, nice, big things popping for the family, nice, man. And, uh, nice, nice. nah, they put people like that, you know, people in my circle, you. Chad and you know, everybody else pushed me to be better and keep keep stacking. You know, heard me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, man. It's always love when you're up here. Um, it feels of course, like man. Everything's always organic. We never really, we never ever forced anything as well, too. So much love for that. You know, you stay safe. I hope everyone else is staying safe as well, too. And just know that we're all in, we're all in this together. And we're going to get past it, but. Ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 77 of The Caesar Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at Sir Caesars, at Trade Day XXIV. We out.